0: And uh, we are in the book of Matthew, chapter nine. We're talking about prayer, and prayer is something that when we hear about it, oftentimes many of us are, we don't we don't get excited about prayer. We actually feel guilt about prayer. We know that we're supposed to pray. We don't feel like praying. We know it. We we know that's what God wants us to do. And and we've seen the last few weeks that He wants us to. He really does want us to pray. God longs for us to seek His face to commune with Him. And he's attached himself to the power of prayer, this divine mechanism where we can speak to the God of the universe. And we need to learn how to take advantage of it. I mean, for many of us, uh, we, we've, we've grown accustomed to these things, these little smartphones. We can't do anything without it. It's our communication tool. When we walk out the door, we're like, where's my phone? What happened to my phone? Or if you break your phone, like, I need to get it fixed right away. It's something that it's become indispensable to us. And it's, that's how prayer is to be for our lives. It's to be indispensable. It's to be our connection tool. It's to be how we commune with God. And we've seen the past few weeks how we are to commune, that God desires us to pray seriously. In other words, God is serious about prayer. We see the only time that Jesus really showed any anger is when he cleansed the temple. Because they had polluted it. They had perverted the intention of the temple, which was that all nations may come and seek and commune with God. Uh, and, and that's what God wanted to, to have happen. And he, we see that he wants us to pray seriously. And then he wants to pray boldly. It's not just praying to God generically. It's praying through the work, name, and blood of Jesus Christ. That is how we have access to God Almighty. And, and that we can pray boldly, boldly approach the throne of grace. We, we pray because of what Jesus has done. We have access to God the Father through him God the son. So we're to pray seriously, we're to pray boldly. Last week we we're to pray persistently that God wants us to almost be annoying coming to him again and again. Just like I mentioned last week with my children, when I told them I said, "Hey kids, we're going to go to 7-11 at the end of the day." And they keep going, "Now daddy, now. Are we going to go now? Are we going to go now?" And it's the same with God. Are we God saying, "Come after me, persist, pray." Just like the widow, as we saw last week, with the unjust judge. And this week, we're going to see how we're to pray missionally. And what that means is, is praying with God's mission in mind. See, when most of us pray, we pray pretty selfishly. Pray with our own interests, our own requests, maybe a few people in our family. We don't have God's vision for the world. God has a great, massive, big vision and he wants us to participate in that vision. And when we do, it invigorates, it inflames, it propels our prayer lives. It changes us because it takes us out of ourselves. It takes us out of ourselves and gives us God's desire for the world. A holy longing to see his name expand into the furthest reaches, farthest nations of the world. It's a holy discontent with the status quo of this world that we long for God's supremacy to be made known in every single life and to see them not only to come to know Jesus, but their joy that, trans- that is so transformative when they do come to know him. So we're to pray with the nations in mind, but what does that look like? I mean, why do we pray for the nations? You know, the scripture says in, that God has chosen some since the foundation of the world. And some say, well, why do I need to pray then? If God's chosen some and not others, then what's the point of me praying? Well, we're going to look at that today. We're going to see why we are to pray and, and maybe how we can pray what we need to understand to pray missionally, How do, what does that look like? How do I just pray for the nations? How do I pray for people? How do I pray uh, with God's mission in mind? And that's what we're going to look at today. But before we go any further, let's pause for a moment, asking God to bless our message time. Great God Almighty, we come into your presence boldly by the name and the finished work and the blood of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And Lord, we come before you now because of him. And we can present requests to you as your children. And we ask you to speak to us today. Lord, show us. We, we all have come today with all of our backgrounds, all of the issues and struggles that we have. And Lord, show yourself to be uh, the ever-present God is to, who, is, who can meet us where we are at. But Lord, give us a vision for the world. Awaken us to your desire for the world. May we burn with your Holy Spirit fire to see other people transformed by your glory and your, the power of your Spirit. So Lord, work in our lives. Speak in our midst today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're in Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus, uh, we see that Jesus has gone out to all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. We're in verse 35, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every d- disease and every affliction. Now, I, I look at this passage and I, and I was really meditating on it, saying, How do we then, how does this part, how does this verse teach us how to pray? And, and Lord, what are you trying to show us here? and it made me uh, start to just think of different things in God's mission. I mean, Jesus is going out. He is on a mission from God. That's where it originally comes from, uh, that he was the first one really on this divine mission to show God's love to the world. And we see him going out, and we see that it's a mission that is for really all people. I mean, he has his mission, which is saving, but he had, invites us to participate in that mission. Now, we really don't know how to pray missionally until we understand his mission for the world. That's the first point you need to write down. You don't know how to really pray for the world until you understand what God's heart is for the world. For example, let me illustrate it for you for a moment. Uh, several years ago, and many pounds ago, I wanted to run this Chicago Marathon. And I needed to know how to get in shape, because I, round is a shape, and that is not the kind of shape that I needed to be in for the marathon. Okay, so I I, uh, called up my sister-in-law and I said, I need to get in shape. She's a personal trainer. And I said, I need an exercise program that's going to help me get in shape. And she goes, well, what are your goals? What do you want to do? I said, I want to run the marathon. She goes, okay. And then she created this workout program for me to do to prepare me for the marathon. So she developed this because she needed to know what my goal was, my, my mission was, in order to help me know what steps to take to get to that mission. It's the same with praying. When we understand God's mission for the world, that shows us and t- teaches us how to pray. Because it takes us out of ourselves. We need to understand God's mission if we are going to pray effectively. And we can see here that Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages. The cities and the villages. And he is, who is he interacting with? Look at your text. Don't look at me. Look at the text. What does it say? He's interacting with who? The sick. He's interacting with those who are diseased. Those who are harassed and helpless, right? Those who are like sheep without a shepherd. These are people that are hurting. He is going to all different kinds of people. That's the beauty of the gospel, by the way. It's for all the nations of the earth. Did you know that? The gospel has been and will always be for all nations of the earth. You see it time and time again throughout the scripture. God blessed Abraham that he might be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. The same with Isaac and Jacob and Judah and then on to David. Because through their lineage, the Savior would come who would be the Savior of all the world. And when we come in Christ, the this, this Son of God, all the divisions are removed in a way. That there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, nor male nor female, nor Jew nor Gentile. Meaning we come in one in Christ Jesus. There's a transformation that occurs. So we see this glorious gospel is for the whole world. I mean, even the nation of Israel, when it came out of Egypt, did you know that there was a mixed multitude? It wasn't just Jewish people that came out. It says that there was a mixed multitude. God's plan has always been for the nations of the world. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of your friends. Go make disciples of your family. Go make disciples of people that look like you. Go make disciples of your, those in your political party. Those go make disciples of your Instagram followers. Did he say that? No. He said go make disciples of all nations, every single one. And he wants us to go to all people. He wants to pray for all people, not just those in our own tribe, and our own family, and in our own background. We have to expand that. And we have to understand that it also involves going to different places. See, God's mission is to all the different places, to the countryside, to the farms, with, I mean, to the cities and the villages. With God, there are no little people and there are no little places. When people think, "Well, I don't have a big this or big that," I don't have a big church or I don't have. That's not the. Well, it is with God. God's not asking you to build great big things and edifices. God is asking you to care and love for people and pray for people in all kinds of places and all kinds of backgrounds. Now, notice what He does which is pretty phenomenal here. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. Again, I'm in Matthew nine thirty-five, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Now, we in our time can't heal every disease. I mean, there are miracles, and that's why they're called miracles and that they don't happen all the time. God does still heal. God does still work. But does he want every single person to be healed? Well, if that's the case, then no one would ever die. But we do see that we can, as Christians, alleviate people's pains. And that's the next point to, to write down. God's mission is to help alleviate people's pains so that they will come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, we see that in Matthew 25, Isaiah 58, where we're to give a, a water to the thirsty, food to the hungry, home, I mean, housing to the homeless, dignity to the disenfranchised. That we're to help the down and the out, those who have been depressed or or, or oppressed. We're to come and help them to stand up for those, visit those who are in prison. We're to to do the difficult things. That's what God wants us to do. The problem is, is that many of us want a safe Christianity. Let me tell you something. That is an oxymoron. There is no such thing as safe faith. No such thing. Because when you see the people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, their very life was at stake every single time. And in our world, that is changing today in the United States. See, many of us have grown up, if you are at all familiar with Christianity, you grew up, many of who are over the age of 40, grew up in an era where Christianity was the majority. So there was a safety in numbers, a comfort that came. But we're seeing a massive shift now where Christianity is returning to where it normally is, on the fringes and on the margin, and persecution is beginning to be elevated. Laws are being put in place to restrict Christianity, not in just the United States, but in the world. You don't believe me? I mean, look at Russia. They have now said that it is illegal for you to share your faith outside of a church building. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you, would you be guilty of breaking the law if you were in Russia? I think many of us would be like, no big deal. I don't share my faith anyway. See, they're putting restrictions on it, and we see that all over. But see, that's where the church does well. God has never called us to a safe faith. He has called us to risk everything for the kingdom of God, to reach all people, to go to all, all places. And, and it reminds me of a, uh, a guy named John Knox. Some of you might have know his name, some of you may not. John Knox lived in the 1500s in Scotland when um, Scotland was at war between Protestantism and Roman Catholicism. Okay, there was this war going on. And Mary, Queen of Scots, was trying to return all of Scotland to uh, the Pope and Roman Catholicism. And John Knox was preaching the gospel of God. And he was thundering forth from his pulpit and influencing many people. What many people don't know about him is that he not only was a good preacher, but he was a good prayer. And he put his life on the line for his ministry. And his prayer is purportedly to have, um, have been give me Scotland or I die. Give me Scotland or I die. Now, some of you, some of us in the room might go, that's a little radical for me. You know, that's a lot. I mean, come on. I, but that's what God, that's the heartbeat that God wants us to have. Matter of fact, uh, matter of fact uh, another man by the name of uh, Count von Zinzendorf, fun name, sounds like a villain in a Marvel comic, but Count von Zinzendorf is this guy who said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Because that's what he, he, his, he felt his life should be. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And I find my purpose when I'm preaching the gospel, and I'm going to die, and I'll be forgotten, but God will live on. And his name will perpetuate onto the nations. He had a heartbeat for the nations. That's what Knox did. His prayer his heartbeat was, give me Scotland or I die. I'm going to put my life on the line. And Mary, Queen of Scots, is also purportedly to have said, I fear not an army of 10,000 men. The thing I fear most are the prayers of John Knox. Now let me, let me challenge you or ask you this. Does anyone fear your prayer life? They fear your zeal? If they were to look at you, would they say that you bleed the gospel? Or is it, I mean, bleed communion with God of making na- his name known? Or is it, I bleed this relationship, I want to be married. Or is it, I bleed, I want to be famous. Or I bleed, I want to make money. Or this or that. That's not God's plan. Let me tell you right now. It is not God in the American dream. There is a difference between them. I'm not saying the American dream is an evil thing. But it is if it takes people away from the gospel of God. It's a privilege to live in a country where we have freedoms and can enjoy these things. But they can't be ends of themselves. One of the things, one of the proverbs I love, it says, Give me not prosperity or poverty. Because if I am poor, I'm going to curse God. But if I get prosperity, I'll forget God. That's where many of us are. We're so comfortable that we've lost Christ. And we see here, God's mission is not the American dream. I can't say that enough. It is not the American dream. It's not. God doesn't want you to be wealthy and drive a Cadillac. That's not it. God wants you to make his name known. Does he want to give you good things? Yes. But those aren't ends in themselves. He wants you to proclaim the gospel of Jesus, that God sent the Savior of the world to identify with us, to take our sins upon himself that he died on the cross for your sins and mine, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day, that he lived for 40 days, was seen by over 500 at one time, he ascended into heaven, and he will return again to judge the quick and the dead. He is the man that God has appointed to do that, to find salvation in his name and in his name alone. He came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come to die so that you could have a three-bedroom house with two-car garage and 2.3 children. That's not what it is. Again, those aren't evil things. I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. If you have those things that aren't bad, they're blessings, but they can't be ends of themselves. We have to understand that. That God's m- mission is to different people and places helping alleviating people's pains to do the uncomfortable things. And that might mean standing up for someone who is Oppressed speaking out against prejudice and racism or inequality or speaking out and helping those who are homeless, who are disenfranchised, giving clothing to those who are are completely lost or, or naked. It's helping those. That's what we're to do. We're to help alleviate people's pains. Jesus is going around healing every disease and every affliction But it's also we have to make sure that we're offering the same proclamation. Look at our text: teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. I I was speaking with an evangelist when I was in India, who travels. He's been in 170 different nations, and he's been traveling all over the world for many, many years. And I said, "What is one concept that you believe that the American church?" And he's an Indian-born, no, Malaysian-born Indian. And I said, what's one thing you've noticed about the United States of America? What's one thing that you see missing in theology? He says, the understanding of the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is inaugurated in Christ. That God's kingdom is breaking through this world. This world's going to get worse and worse and worse. But the foundations are are cracking through Christ. And it was permeated. And it will be fully realized when Jesus returns again. And that kingdom, that gospel of the kingdom... And the gospel is the good news of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for your sins and mine. And it's the same proclamation that people are to repent. You cannot have salvation without repentance. To repent and believe. It's a word we have forgotten in our vocabulary today because we have sought to dumb down the gospel to get people in churches to entertain them and not calling people to repentance Jesus loves sinners, but he calls them to repentance. He doesn't allow people to stay in their sin. His death showed the penalty for sin. And to hold on to our sin is to nullify the cross of Christ. You can't hold on to your sin in this hand and hold the cross in the other. You have to forsake one to embrace the other. That's what God's calling us to do, to leave our sin behind. And I I can't plead with you enough. Please, don't think that, hey, I'm fine with God. That might be what you say, but, you know, God and I are okay. You're not. You believe a lie. I'm not making this up. I'm just looking at what the Scripture says. My duty is to proclaim the Word of God to you, to impress it upon your hearts. I'm going to be judged accordingly. It's not about what I want. It's what the Scripture says. And the Scripture says that these shall not inherit the kingdom of God: nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor the fornicators, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers, nor the greedy, nor, nor the sexually immoral. None of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. Present tense. Not that you've never done those things in your life, because He paid the price for it. But you don't live in the state of it. He, he wants to. He offers that same proclamation. And when we pray that way, we pray God transform the hearts and minds of people. Lord, you want to reach all nations. Lord, you want to reach all backgrounds. You want to invade this world. And Lord, use my prayers to transform the hearts and minds of people. Help us, show us, Lord, how we can alleviate their pains. You alleviate their pains. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet. That's, what this, that's how our prayer life is in, invigorated and revitalized. But that's not all. We have to understand God's motivation. Why does God do this? It's for his own glory, Yes. To make his name known, and he wants you to have joy, and that joy only comes from truly knowing him. But notice in the text, let's look at our text and see this motivation. Because we have to realize his motivation before we go any further. Look at verse 36 for a moment Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Compassion. It's a fascinating word in Greek. Remember, the New Testament was written in Greek. We don't always get the nuances in English. But in Greek, the word, and I love this word, it's splunkna. That's a fun word to say. Splunkna. And what it literally means is from the gut, like from the kidneys, from the depth of one's being, the inner part of who we are. It says he had compassion. He hurt when he saw them. I mean, we have things that we hurt for when we see Certain situations that we cringe at. We, we feel, And Jesus feels pain for the people in front of him. For they were, and look at the text. It says, for they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Here's three things they were. He desires to help the troubled. These people are helpless. They're in trouble. I mean, and he, that's how we're to do too. We're to help the troubled people, by the way. We're not to help those that look and just sound like us. And we have this t- tendency when people show up that need help, we're like, oh, another one? That's how some people are. It's inconvenient. God never called you to be comfortable. He called you to be Christ-like, and that means inconvenient. He wants to help the troubled. He wants to help the, notice that they were also, they were helpless, they were harassed. They were terrified. I mean, these people are getting harassed left and right, and they're, they're, ner- they're scared, and they're threatened. I mean, there's sheep without a shepherd. A sheep without a shepherd is someone that's just milling around without direction. They don't know where food is. They are complete prey. I mean, sheep are the dumbest animals. You know, you don't see sh- sheep shows, you do see dolphin shows and whale shows, and you can teach them to do tricks. No one really wants to see sheep do anything because sheep are dumb. And we have a tendency to be a lot like sheep. And he's saying that they're threatened. They are just pray for everyone else. And that's how people are in the world. And God wants to help those people, and he wants to use us to do it. To help those who are troubled, terrified, and threatened. That's what God wants to do. And he wants to use us to do it. He is motivated to help those because of his love, his compassion for them. But what are the means that he wants to use to make that accomplish it. What do I mean by that? Using his means. We have to use his means. So what what does that mean? Means is the way by which something is accomplished. For example, if I take some batter and I put it in a big old cake pan, how does it become a cake? You have to stick it where? In the oven, right? And then it is transformed. You turn on the heat, it's baking. The oven is the means by which the batter becomes cake. Or you want to get from East Aurora to West Aurora using an automobile. An automobile or car is the means by which you are going to get across. I mean, these are the means, the things in which by which things happen. Prayer is one of the means through which God transforms people's hearts. Prayer is the means through through which God transforms people's hearts. It's it's pretty powerful prayer. These are the means. See, we can see that God has prepared the way with people, and He wants us to use the means. He's already prepared people's hearts to receive the truth of who He is. Look back at our text in verse 37. There, then He said to His disciples, the harvest is plentiful. In other words, it's plentiful. There are people that are ready to respond to who Jesus is and the claims of Christ, and we're to reach out to them and share the truth of who Jesus is. God has prepared that way, but we are to prepare Pray that God would send people to share with them. So we only, not only does He want us to share with them, I mean, want us to reach, have people pray for people to go out and reach them. He wants to propel us to action. Notice the word "send" there. See that in your text that He might send them out into the harvest field. It's another fascinating word in Greek. It's a compound word, ekbalo. It literally means it's ekbalo, and the word literally means to throw, to force. And the idea is propelling. God is wanting to propel us to action into the world. That's what he wants to do. He wants to send you out in the world. You are prepared. You, God has chosen you to do good works through you and display his glory to the world. He has, for you. Now you might say, well, I'm not in ministry. I'm not trained in ministry. That's, you're you're missing what I'm saying. My job is to actually prepare you to do the works of ministry. Did you know that? Where you're at, in your place, your workplace, uh, at your factory line, in your classroom, in your neighborhood, that's where the ministry takes place, not in the church building. That's not where ministry is supposed to be. I mean, God has prepared the way. There are people in your workplace, in your sphere of influence, that are ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might think they are so far from God. The reality is, is the person that's usually the most staunch against it is usually the closest to it. That's a reality. And sometimes the people you think are closest and most moral are usually the hardest to reach. That's very true. I know that in speaking with people, um, I've had some friends over the years that were very moral, very upstanding in the community, that they couldn't grasp themselves being a sinner. And you know, you can't have the gospel of Christ and have Jesus until you know you're really a sinner. And a person who's pretty bad knows they're pretty bad. Oftentimes not always, but God wants us to send out into the world to share the, the truth of who he is. It should prepare us or propel us to action. God sends us, not other people. He sends us. As Jesus said in John twenty twenty one. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending someone else. No, you, right? Sending you. He sends you. He sends you to your workplace. He sends you into that neighborhood. Not someone else. You. It's kind of scary, isn't it? That's what God has called us to do. He has prepared the way he wants to propel us to action. And desires that we pray for ministry partners. Pray for ministry partners. He wants us to pray. You know what's the amazing thing about prayer is that it lasts forever. I shared a quote last week, and I want to share this again. If we can go back to that, Carl, and uh, E.M. Bounds. I I love this quote about E.M. He says, can we call that up? Prayer is not fitful, short-lived. Prayer is something powerful. It is no voice crying and heard and unheeded in the silence. It's a voice which goes into God's ear. And it lives as long as God's ear is open to holy pleas, as long as God's heart is alive to holy things. God shapes the world by prayers. I love this. Prayers are deathless. The lips that utter them may be closed in death, the heart that felt them may have ceased to beat. But the prayers live before God, and God's heart is set on them. Prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them, outlive a generation, outlive an age and not live a world. I love that quote. Because the reality is many of us in this room are beneficiaries of someone else's prayer. It might be a grandparent. It might be an auntie or uncle. It might be a cousin or a friend or neighbor. And you know, you think about it, who's that person that prayed for you? Prayed for you when you were far away from God. Those prayers go on And now, and and during our time, this is actually one of the most exciting times to live in the history of the world because we have more opportunities to share the gospel with countries that were once closed to the gospel than we've ever had in the history of the world with more technology than ever before. And these nations have been opened because many people have prayed for generations And now we need to pray that God would help send people into the world because there's a lot of ministry opportunities. But we find as leaders, and Jesus knew this, there's not always a lot of people that are ready to go, that are ready to talk, that are ready to share, that are ready to step out and share the truth of who Jesus is, to testify to his greatness. And God desires us to pray for ministry partners because there's not one person or one church that accomplished that mission. Our mission for us is here within this community, but not just here, it's to reach the world. And God has seen fit to bring the nations to our campus. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, we were talking with some other friends uh, about doing ministry here, and and they were nervous about joining us. And they said, well, you're going to have us, they're from a different language group, and they said, you're going to have us speak English. I went, Why? I can't speak your language. I can already speak English. I can testify about God in English, but I can't testify in your language. You need to testify in your language to the truth of who Jesus is, to those people who do not know who Jesus is, in your language, in your tongue, in your background, in your culture. Go ahead, do it. I wish I could. I wish I had that gift of tongues, that I could speak so every person could understand. God wants us to pray for ministry partners that he would raise up leaders here in our midst, in our church, in our campus, not just to reach our people that are in our community, which I'm praying for, but that he might send people into the entire world. I pray that God does use us to reach the entire world. That might seem crazy to you. Sounds crazy to me. But I think that's what God wants to do. God likes to do God things. Things that he only can do. So Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's not that many people to do it. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. He wants to propel us to action. See, I'm going to go back to that point for a moment propel us to action. Many of us have a hard time being propelled to action. We're great at receiving, we're great at being at church on Sunday, but we have a hard time of, of pursuing Jesus and loving him and sharing him in every aspect of every other part of our world. You know, I was thinking about that, and I came across, the, across this quote by the evangelist D.L. Moody, from whom uh, Moody Bible Institute gets its name, and he, he said this, What makes the dead Sea dead? Because it is all the time receiving, never giving out anything. Why is it that many Christians are cold? Because they are all the time receiving, never giving out anything. There are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do little things. So God wants to propel you and me to action. Here, we're on the other side of the world. That's what God wants to do. Now, he's calling you to reach your neighborhood, to reach your classmates, reach your sphere of influence. Are you reaching them? Are you sharing Christ with them? Are you testifying about who Jesus is to them? That's what, are you trying to help them and meet their needs and alleviate their pains? God wants to reach and, and have uh, pray for ministry partners in the world. That's why Jesus says, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I love that word right there. There's two words. In verse 38, pray earnestly. The word earnest is a very fascinating word in Greek. It means to ask or beg. And it literally means coming from like a felt need, a lack, a lack of something, that there's a lack that you feel, that you sense, and that you need it. Have you ever had like where your, your, your blood sugar's gone low and you know you need some food in you and it's like, I lack this nutrient right now and I need it? I need this, or I need some protein, or I need this. I'm really hungry for that. It's, it's kind of the same idea. I'm, I'm, I'm lacking, I'm, something that there's being lacked here, God, that I know I need. And you burn intentionally, and it's, it, it, intensely, excuse me. You burn intensely for God to do a work. And it's for God's glory to be made known. And, and my heartbeat, and I hope it's the heartbeat of our church, is that God's glory would be made known throughout the entire world and that every tribe and tongue and background can testify to his greatness. And we need other people to be risen up for ministry, to, to help those, to, to counsel, to, to serve, to, to teach, whatever it might be. We need those. we hunger for those. From all different backgrounds, by the way, I hunger for that here, that God would raise up ministry partners in our church and in the world for the glory of his name. And when you start praying that way, It changes you. A while back, and I'm going to pray here in a minute. A while back, I I decided just as a, a whim to memorize all the countries of the world. I did, and then I started finding myself praying through them. And the more that I've prayed through them, the more my heart is beat for the nations, for all people groups, from all backgrounds, for the glory of his name. And I I hope that our church can pray that way. To be inflamed with passion for his glory to be made known. You know, the scripture says, uh, actually one of the prophets says, his word is like a fire within me. Woe to me if I keep it in. And I, and I, and I, I don't understand Christian apathy. I don't get it. I don't understand how people can delight more in a football game than they can in the faith of the creator of the world. And I'm asking the Lord to awaken us out of our lethargy and status quo that our hearts might burn so hot that it overflows from who we are that other people might see Jesus in us and that he might reach the world. Because ultimately, it's only God that can change a heart. That's where it is. And when you pray that way, when you pray with God's mission in mind, I'm telling you, it changes you. It's not just going through a list. It's not just trying to get the requests down and praying for people. It, you begin to commune with the Almighty. And you know what? God touches you in that. I have experienced the presence of God more in my entire life once I started praying for the world than I ever have before. Because that is a blessing and that is a purpose and desire of God that we would burn for his glory to be made known in every tribe and every nation. So let's pray right now. I want to pray and have a burden that would holy burden, a holy discontent of the way things are and and a desire for God to work his will the way that he wants it to be. And let's pray right now for the nations that God would raise up leaders from our fellowship that are here right now. Some of these young people, some of these older people, whatever your background is, I pray that God touches you for the glory of his name. And let's pray for the nations and go through them that God would awaken them to the reality of who he is and send laborers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come into your presence by the mighty name of finished work and blood of Jesus Christ. It is through him that we have access and we delight in that. And Lord, we know that your heart beats for the nations. You have told us, you have commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that you have taught us and that you have promised to be with us even to the end of the age. Lord, you know our sins Lord, you know our struggles. You know what we deal with day in and day out. And Lord, help us to, to not think of just the great things, but the little things. Help us to be faithful in those things. And as we're being faithful in those things, may we be teaching... A, others about who you are, wherever we find ourselves, whether it's with another parent, with our kids at school, at an open house, or the line at the grocery store, or whether it's at the laundromat, or at the DMV, or in our workplace, or cubicle, or in the factory line, or, or school, or across the fence in our neighborhood, wherever it might be, Lord, may we continually testify about your, gra- your, your, your power and your grace. And Lord, please send workers into your harvest field. Send them here at this church. Lord, we need leaders. You're growing us in, in amazing ways and bringing people from all kinds of backgrounds. And we praise you for that. We pray that you do so more and more. Lord, bring the lowest, the least, the lost. Bring every tribe and race in, in such a way that we're all coming together to testify to your greatness and your power. Lord, help us to do the hard things. Help us to take care of the, the hungry, the homeless, the disenfranchised, the thirsty. Lord, help us to reach out to those that no one else will reach out to. The prisoner, whatever it might be, helps to reach out to them and love them the way that you want us to. And, Lord, please send workers into your harvest field here in Aurora and in all Chicagoland, but, Lord, all over the world. Lord, we pray for countries such as Canada and the United States. Lord, we pray for Mexico and Guatemala and Nicaragua and El Salvador and Honduras and Costa Rica and Belize and Panama. Lord, please reach Central America. We thank you for El Camino campus that's having service right now downstairs. We thank you that they can testify to your greatness in Spanish. And, Lord, may they be faithful. May you grow that ministry. May you reach the Spanish in our community. And Lord, may you reach, uh, send people, propel them into action in those countries in Central America. And, Lord, reach the island countries. Lord, we we pray for Cuba. We thank you, Lord, that you've opened the doors in such a way that the gospel can go forth uh, unhindered. Lord, I pray that you might grow and have a very established and strong church. And the testimony of your grace might resound there. Or in Jamaica or the Bahamas. Uh, Lord, we pray that your your glory might rest in many of the islands. Or St. Kitts and Nevis. Or St. Lucia. Or or, uh, the St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, Lord, please let your, your power be made known in Grenada and Antigua and Barbuda and Barbados or Dominica or the Dominican Republic or Haiti. Lord, let your glory be made known. And Lord, I pray for South America. Lord, do a work in South America. Lord, we know the Olympics is going to be in South America. Lord, may your, may you testify to your greatness there. May there be many people who have not yet heard. The saving grace or the good news of Jesus Christ. May there be many people at the Olympics that come to the saving knowledge of who you are. Lord, whether it's in a country like Brazil or Argentina or Paraguay or Uruguay or Chile, uh, Lord, it might be in Colombia or Bolivia. Uh, Lord, it could be in Venezuela or maybe it's in Guyana or Suriname. Uh, Lord, please testify. Touch the nations in South America and in the, the Europe. Lord, such a country, such an area where the gospel was once heralded and respected and honored. And we've seen it grow cold, and yet, Lord, we see that you're moving the nations, and nations that were closed to your gospel uh, are being now exposed to the gospel for the first time. Raise up churches in countries such as Andorra or Monaco or San Marino or Vatican or Italy or Malta or Cyprus or Luxembourg or Liechtenstein or Belgium or the Netherlands. Uh, Lord, I pray that you, you touch them and use them. Or UK, or the Ireland, or Iceland, or Norway, Sweden, Finland, Russia, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, Ukraine, Moldova, Romania, Bulgaria, Albania, Macedonia, Greece, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, Serbia, and Montenegro, Kosovo, Slovakia, Slovenia, Croatia, Portugal, Spain, France. Lord, we pray for France a country that's just being torn asunder right now, I pray, Lord, that they might, uh, that people, that you might use the things that are going on right now to turn people to the saving knowledge of who you are. So whether it's uh, France or Germany or the Czech Republic or Poland or Switzerland or, uh, or Austria or Hungary, Lord, do a work. Do a work that only you can do in countries such as Turkey or Syria. Lord, I pray for what's going on in Syria right now. Lord, I pray, uh, Lord, that you have brought the Syrians, many into our own community. Uh, And Lord, it's such a controversial topic, but Lord, use it. Use it to proclaim the glories of your name, that those who have not yet known you, that they might come to know you. Lord, I pray for, for Lebanon, and I pray for Israel, and Palestine, and Jordan, and Saudi Arabia, and Yemen, and UAE, and Qatar, and Bahrain, and Kuwait, and Iran, and Iraq. Lord, I pray. That you touch the nations, uh, such as Georgia, Georgia, and Azerbaijan, or Armenia, and Lord, all the stand countries as we think as Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, and Tajikistan, and Afghanistan and Pakistan, Sri Lanka, or the Maldives, and India. Lord, such an amazing country, and Lord, uh, such a beautiful country, and so diverse, and a host of so many different religions. But Lord, I pray for India. I pray that you turn the people of India into yourself. Or countries such as Nepal or Burma or Bhutan or Bangladesh. Uh, Lord, I pray for Burma. I pray for the the people there that you uh, raise up in so many different churches and leaders. Proclaim the truth of who you are. Or in Buddhist countries such as Thailand. And then you have Laos or Cambodia or Vietnam. and uh, Lord, you have other countries such as China. Lord, you're doing such an amazing work in China. Continue to establish the church that's there and grow it. Uh, Lord, we pray for Mongolia and North Korea, Lord, we pray for an end of the regime that 's there. We pray that your gospel might go forth unfettered, that you might raise up church, that so you might establish believers, uh, Lord, in such a, a wonderful country of, of people that have been oppressed and Lord, I pray that you establish your gospel there and continue to reach South Korea and Japan and uh, Lord, we pray for the Philippines and uh, and, and Singapore and Taiwan and Lord, uh, countries such as Malaysia and Indonesia and Brunei and East Timor or Papua New Guinea or Palau and Nauru or Tuvalu or Vanuatu or Tonga or Samoa, Fiji, Kiribati, Micronesia, Marshall Islands, Solomon Islands and countries such as Australia and New Zealand and then the Comoros or Seychelles or Marcias or Madagascar, Cape Verde and Sehatoma and Principe, and Equatorial Guinea and Guinea and Guinea Bissau, and Egypt and Sudan and South Sudan, and, and, and Lord countries such as Libya or Tunisia or uh, Mauritania or Algeria and Mali and Senegal, the Gambia, Sierra Leone, uh, or Lord countries such as Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, or Ghana, Togo, Benin, Burkina, Faso, Liberia, Nigeria, Niger, Chad, Central African Republic, Gabon, Cameroon. Uh, Lord, and we think of the Congo. Lord, I thank you that you have brought so many people from the Congo uh, and Africa to our church and, and grown us. And, Lord, we're learning from one another and serving together. And, Lord, to make your name known, and I, I pray for peace in the Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, and the Republic of Congo. Lord, I pray for peace there in all of Africa. And Lord, I pray for Angola and Namibia and South Africa and Lesotho and Swaziland and Mozambique and Malawi and Tanzania and Kenya and Ethiopia and Somalia and Eritrea and Djibouti. Uh, Lord, I pray for Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, Botswana, uh, Zambia and Zimbabwe. And Lord, if I forgot any nations, forgive me. But Lord, we want to see your name known in the nations. Teach us to pray for the nations, please, O oh God. Teach us to preach for, uh, pray for the nations, to long for your glory to be made known. Overwhelm us with your grace and your mercy. May your passion be our passion. And may our hearts beat forevermore with the glory of who you are. And may we do the difficult uh, things for the glory of your name, that your name might go to the furthest reaches of the world. So Lord, please, make your name known. Touch us and use us. In Jesus' name, amen.